0: The seventh chapter of Yahushua begins by announcing that the people of Israel sinned treacherously against God because one of them, a man named Achan from the tribe of Yehuda, took from the spoils of Yericho during the battle. Without knowing about this sin, Yeshua then dispatched some spies to scout out the next target, the city of the Ai, um, just as he had dispatched spies to scout out Yericho previously. The spies returned reporting that the Ai would be an easy, small target, a, non, a non-formidable enemy. Only two or 3,000 men would have to go out to fight, to conquer the city, and Yeshua would not need to send everybody. So he took their advice, and he sent out only 3,000 men. They went, and they lost. They ended up fleeing from the people of the Ai for their lives. Thirty-six of them died in battle, and the nation of Israel was now afraid. They had lost terribly in their second encounter uh, in the promised land. Yeshua and the elders reacted to this with sorrow. They, They tore their garments, they put ashes on their heads, and they mourned their losses in battle. Yeshua demanded to know why God brought them there to begin with. Not only did they lose the battle, but he feared that now the word would spread, and all the other residents, all the other nations of the land would be emboldened to fight these newcomers, and they would join together to oppose them. So God responded to Yeshua and said, what are you complaining for? The people sinned. They violated the covenant that I made with them, and they took from the spoils of Yericho for themselves. The, uh, the Hebrew word used here in the verse for spoils is the word cherem, which actually means forbidden, because... The taking from the spoils in this battle had been explicitly forbidden to the people by God in the last chapter. And here, when God speaks to Yahushua, he refers to the sitting people themselves as cherem. He tells Joshua, these people, the ones who committed this act, are cherem, and Yahushua must purge them from among the people. God said that until the nation is purified, it will not succeed in battle. The way that purging would happen would have to be as follows. There would be a divinely orchestrated lottery process. Everybody would gather, and the lottery would select the offending tribe. And then after the tribe was selected, then the offending family line within the tribe. And then after that, the offending house. And then the individual person, the member of that house. So ultimately, it would be only one person that would be identified, but the selection process starts from a higher, from a higher grouping, and then God t- tells Yehoshua, when the person who committed this sin is identified, he must be burned in a fire with all of his possessions. And Yehoshua follows God's instructions. The divine lottery selects the tribe of Yehuda, and then within that, the family line of Zarchi, within that, the house of Zavdi, and finally it identifies Achan as the offending person, the one who brought defeat and humiliation upon the people. Yoshua addresses Achan, and he instructs him to honor God by confessing his sin. So Achan does so. He does so in detail. He explains that during the battle, he saw and desired this Babylonian robe, a fine robe, along with 200 silver shekels and a 50 shekel weight bar of gold. And he desired these items and he took them for himself and he buried them under his tent to hide them. At, after that confession, Joshua gathered Achan along with his family, his cattle, the stolen goods, his tent, and all of his possessions and he takes them to the Valley of Achor. The word Achor comes from the Hebrew root for spoiled or ruined and actually the valley was named for this incident. At the Valley of Achor, the people, collectively, the nation of Israel, stones Achan and his family to death and burn them and all of their belongings. After that, they build a mound of stones to mark the spot and to commemorate the tragic incident. And the chapter ends by announcing that God's anger subsides. So it's a very troubling chapter. and But it ends with a sort of divine resolution. The sinner has been identified. The reason for the failure and defeat in battle has been determined and now God's anger has subsided and going forward the people have a new understanding of their covenant. So for one echo in modern social movements of the story of Achan, let's look back to the tenure of the Lord Protector Oliver Cromwell who was a controversial 17th century military and political leader of England, Scotland, and Ireland. He called himself the Lord Protector, and he oversaw a temporary disruption of the English monarchy, ruling from 1653 to 1658. Cromwell was a devoutly religious independent Puritan, and he understood his mission and his nation's history and his legacy in biblical terms. So during his tenure in 1655, He ordered a military expedition, an English military expedition, against the Spanish-held island of Hispaniola in the Caribbean. Today, Hispaniola includes the modern countries of Haiti and the Dominican Republic. Cromwell's expedition fails completely and humiliates the English military. After this, Cromwell and many of his contemporaries understood their defeat to be a rebuke from God for some sin that the English people had committed. Cromwell then declared a national fast to, quote, strive to appease God's wrath, that he will remove whatever accursed thing there is amongst us. And I'll add, end quote, I'll add that accursed thing is the King James Bible translation for the word cherem, the the word for forbidden cherem, the spoils, as that word appears in this chapter of Yehoshua. So one of Cromwell's chief rivals and critics, a man named Sir Henry Vane, circulated a treatise in response to this national fast, a treatise called A Healing Question Propounded, and in it, he proposed that the accursed thing that Cromwell was referring to was actually the motives of self-interest and private gain that inspired Cromwell to seize power in the, in the Civil War. Therefore, Vane suggested, to appease God and for England to be victorious again, it would have to purge Cromwell and his selfishness and return to the previous order. The This charge was so effective that Cromwell himself was forced to respond publicly, and he essentially acknowledged the comparison to Achan and acknowledged his own sin, his own faults, that may have played a role in the punishment in their defeat at Hispaniola. But he suggested that the sin was not his own alone, but it also lay with the whole nation. He was guilty, he said, and all of the English people were guilty, in some sense, as Achan uh, in this case, and they merited, and they—they're the ones who warranted the punishment. His, his tact here of accepting personal responsibility, but also, but also adding that the people collectively share responsibility may have been a reference to the first verse of this chapter of Yeshua, in which the pasuk informs us that the people collectively sin treacherously because one of them, Achan, took from the spoils. So here, the people somehow sinned because Cromwell did what he did. So for a second echo in modern times for the story of Achan, I'm going to turn to Operation Iraqi Freedom, also known as the Second War in Iraq. This was a recent war initiated by the United States and its allies in 2003 against the regime of Saddam Hussein. So I'm going to focus on a particular moment during this war, and that is in the U.S. House of Representatives on the morning of July 9, 2003, this is two and a half months after the invasion of Iraq, the daily session in the House began with a prayer, by the official House chaplain, Father Daniel P. Coughlin. Coughlin was the first Roman Catholic chaplain of the House. This is actually an official elected position. The chaplain of the House is elected by all the members uh, and serves as an individual clergy, not as a representative of his church. To this day, all of the House chaplains have been white Christian men. So as I said, Father Coughlin, the first Catholic chaplain delivered the prayer on the morning of July 9, 2003, and this was not just only two and a half months after the invasion, but it was also just three days after a former U.S. diplomat named Joe Wilson published an explosive op-ed in the New York Times which disputed the Bush administration's account of Saddam Hussein pursuing nuclear weapons, which had been used as a justification for the war. So keeping that context in mind, following this public challenge to the Bush administration's account and its basis for the war, this is what Father Coughlin said. I'm quoting directly. The conquest of Jericho and the sin of Achan, it's the English word for Achan, taught Joshua and the people of his day that you, Lord, would be with them in every engagement with an enemy as long as they followed all your commands and held back nothing for themselves in their service to do your holy will. Disobedience and self reliance lead only to defeat. Help us in our day to lead the war against terrorism, but let us never be deceived ourselves. Attuned to your word and the spirit in the story of Joshua, may we as individual citizens or in any corporate way never excuse ourselves from honesty and integrity by acting out of stealth or deception even for a moment. End quote. Now, I could not find any news stories or any reactions to this prayer. But I think it's fair to say that Father Coughlin was trying to do more than just pray to God on that morning. He was calling somebody out. He stood up in Congress in the middle of the war in Iraq and compared the military engagement they were currently undertaking to the conquest of Jericho and the subsequent sin of Achan. And in his allegory, who is Achan? And again, he said, May we, as individual citizens or in any corporate way, never excuse ourselves from honesty and integrity by acting out of stealth or deception. Said this just days after revelations concerning the Bush administration's account about the nuclear weapons. So I don't know who he was calling out. But it's fair to say, to suggest, that perhaps he he was suggesting a motive on the part of the Bush administration to enrich U.S. corporations from Iraqi oil in this war. Here, the White House and the corporations would be Achan, and the oil would be the Kherim. Thank you very much. Uh, please join me again next time for the eighth chapter of Yoshua, which is about the second battle of the Eye.